Thank you for tuning in to the Rose Metal Podcast. I'm Emily Watson. Rose Metal's mission is to provide resources and support for current and former athletes. In this podcast with Mackenzie, we will be talking about homesickness, recovering from a pretty big and unique injury, coaches not believing in her, and the transition out of college athletics. All right, so I have Mackenzie Moore here um, at the time of recording. She's Mackenzie Moore. Um, by the time this comes out, it'll be Mackenzie Bauman. So congrats on that. Thank you. Um, yes, Mackenzie played softball at Miami University in Ohio. Um, she graduated in May of 2021 with her degree in kinesiology. She's currently engaged to Noah and living in Arizona. In her free time, she recently discovered that she loved doing Spartan races. Um, we actually just did a podcast with someone else that does that, too. So I think that's super cool. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Mackenzie does kickboxing and Mai Tai and to stay active as well. Uh, Mackenzie is always around babies as she's the oldest of 19 grandkids in the family and they're all children. Uh, this led to her becoming a nanny and she's also frequently ba- babysitting for her family and caring for children. So in this podcast, we will be talking about homesickness, recovering from a pretty big and unique injury, um, coaches not believing in her, and the transition out of college athletics. So I'm excited to have you on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. Of course. So um, we're just going to go into it. So you went to school very far from home. So where is home and how did you handle the homesickness? So I'm from Phoenix, Arizona, and I moved about 1,800 miles away to Oxford, Ohio, which is literally the smallest town I've ever been to, ever heard of. It's like 45 minutes from any type of highway. So it's in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of cornfields. The town is the college. Um, So homesickness was really hard for me just because I come from a super big family. My boyfriend was on the other side of the country, and all of a sudden, I'm going from the desert to cornfield. And so not only was I homesick all the time, but there was a huge culture shock. Like Mm -hmm. I'm talking podunk, little small town, you know, little accents, farmers, like something (laughs) I'd never seen before. It was just a lot. And so when I first moved there, the homesickness kind of like consumed me. It was kind of all I thought about. Um, I was just sad all the time, missing my family, missing Noah, missing my norm, what felt normal, what looked normal. And the way I kind of coped with that really was just trying to get out of my dorm or getting a home-cooked meal from one of our assistant coaches who would cook us meals all the time in the basement of the dorms, which always helped just because it felt like I wasn't eating dining food. So it feels more home. Uh, Little silly things like that to kind of trick my mind. And then what really helped was that my mom uh, is a flight attendant, and she purposely became a flight attendant when I started going on college visits my sophomore year of high school, knowing that I would go away. Her first baby, her oldest, it freaked her out. So she became a flight attendant, um, I think, I don't know, like eight, nine years ago. And so she was able to fly to visit me every other weekend the first couple months. So That was kind of the key for me was every like two weeks or whenever I was really, really struggling or when it was parents weekend, my mom was always there or my sister, like she'd bring my sister. So I was really lucky in that first semester when homesickness was the worst to have family visit me 
every other weekend, like literally probably every other weekend. The longest I went without seeing my mom was probably three weeks. Wow, that's really awesome, especially moving far away. Like not a lot of people get that where they're, they're – a family member gets to um, visit that often. Yeah. And that's really cool that she was able to choose where she goes for her, her flight. Yeah, because she would just, um, she purposely became a flight attendant just for the benefit. So when she would bid for the month, she would get a lot of like paid months off just because they had too many flight attendants. And so she was doing it not necessarily, oh, I need to work like extra income. It was, I want free flights and I want the flexibility to jump on a plane whenever I want to go see my daughter. So she would take all these months off and then just be able to hop on a plane and come visit me. So it was like the yeah. the most perfect scenario. It's probably the greatest thing she's ever done, to be honest. So that's kind of how I was able to cope with it. And it's a huge adjustment. Of course, once I got comfortable in the right. field and made my friends, things got better. But I mean, yeah. even my senior year, I still would choke up when my parents would leave me or when I would leave my parents. So it, it gets better, but yeah. You know, home really is where the heart is. So, yeah, and that shows that your family is close like that. Um, yeah, so Tulsa, Oklahoma, where I went, is also kind of middle of nowhere for some people, especially <laughs> you're coming from the from the West Coast. It's definitely a, a culture shock, and it's not as small as um, your school, I'm sure. But, um, yeah, I definitely saw that with some of my teammates, like the homesickness and um, I know that they didn't get their parents to visit as often as you, and that's that's really awesome. That like that's really rare to see that. That's yeah. awesome that you got to have that. And um, I know that like I have friends that are from all over the world, and I just like when I saw some homesickness happening, I would try to like take them home to my parents, and mm-hmm. they would cook for them, and just trying really hard because like. Being far away from home, like freshman year, obviously is the hardest, but yeah, it's 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 hard all the time, really. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, freshman year it was really hard. I remember my goal was to make it to Thanksgiving. I think I made it to like October. <laughs> yes. So it was it's definitely not easy as a freshman, but you can definitely do it. And uh, I I know that I turned into calling my parents every single day. Hi, it's me, Emily, from Editing. I just wanted to come in here and clarify what I meant about making it to October. Um, I went to the University of Tulsa. My parents lived in Edmond. I wanted to not go home and visit because it's only an hour, hour and a half drive home, not too far away. I wanted to make it until Thanksgiving. I ended up going home in October. Okay, that's all. Oh my gosh, every single day. Like suddenly you're like, oh my God, I want to get out of the house. Like I can't stand my parents. And then you're yeah. like, wait, you're my best friend. Talk yeah. to any exactly. minor inconvenience. I'm like, hey, mom, yeah. like in the dining hall. And she's like, can't be. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, okay, so moving on to your injury. So when you were um, when you were going into college, you what was your injury and condition? When did that start affecting you? And what has that journey been like? Yeah, so this is probably like the craziest little story, the weirdest injury. Um, But basically it had started my freshman year of high school when I started high school softball. Um, Like two or three weeks in the season, I started getting like groin pain, uh, like adductor pain. It just kind of hurt when I would move laterally or go to like cut to take a ground ball or even when I would rotate to swing. 
And we just thought that was just an overuse type injury just because you go from club ball where you're practicing like three or four times a week to high school ball. And in Arizona, it was really competitive. So we were practicing two to three hours, six days a week. So we just kind of assumed it was just wear and tear on the body. I would sit out like a week or two and then the pain would go away and I'd be fine. And that happened every single year, year in high school. And then, Mm. but it was manageable. Like I saw, I'm a PT guy, this chiropractor guy that would always be able to like do the right stretch or whatever and fix me. And then I would go play. And then my senior year of high school, probably a month before I was moving to Ohio, I was at the Colorado sparkler tournament around 4th of July. And, uh, I had made a move at shortstop. I went to go get a runner out who was stealing. And when I had kind of opened my left leg to turn and run, and when I caught the ball and rotated the tag, the runner, I felt a weird pop in my pelvis. And that's a really weird spot to feel a pop. Mm-hmm. And uh, that we that we got the girl out and I went to run into the dugout and I just, I couldn't run. Like my... I got shooting pains down my pelvis, down my legs. Um, I couldn't really open my legs. Like I was wa- like I was kind of waddling. Like my feet were together. My legs were together. I couldn't move my legs apart from each other. It was just the weirdest thing. And on top of that, I randomly kind of started bleeding. So it was a really weird kind of scary time. Um, I sat out the rest of that tournament. I went home, saw a sport doctor saw a woman's doctor. The sport doctor was like, oh, you just have chronic tendonitis um, in those tendons in your pelvic area, which I feel like any you don't believe type of injury is always like, oh, tendonitis. And you don't believe from that. So I'm like, mm, okay, let's try again. So I went to a <laughs> woman's health doctor and she's like, you know, there's, I don't see anything here. There's no trauma. There's no you know, cuts, rips, whatever you want to call it. I had no idea what I was expecting at this point. But she's like, this isn't a woman's health issue. Like, I, there's no answers to this. So I'm like, cool, awesome. Like, I'm glad I just got told the most basic injury of tendonitis that probably mm-hmm. every athlete gets at least once in their life and right. that my bleeding is just made up at this point. So <laughs> I was like, you know what, whatever. Like, it didn't happen. It just never happened. Like, bleeding down yeah, my legs, so. whatever. No biggie. So... I go, um, it kind of goes away. Like the pain, like I rest, it goes away. I go to the PGF Nationals, the big tournament in California, the last hurrah in club ball, and the pain's back, but I'm not going to sit out. Like it's my last club games ever. You know, I'm not going to sit out. And, again, I was at shortstop. It was a ball in the 5-6 hole. I backhanded it. I picked it. And then I went to lean on my back right leg throwing leg and when I did that I just fell to the ground like I didn't even make the throw the girl scored from third like it was traumatic I'm like oh my god we're gonna get eliminated and I just collapsed like I I, there was no control over it it was almost like my muscles gave out so I got pulled of course and again bleeding down my leg and at this point I'm like this is a problem like I'm 18 years old I shouldn't be having these issues go home See a doctor again. Oh, we don't. We can't find the source of bleeding. So, and, the, so from where the blood is coming from, like you go to a woman's doctor, doctor yes. for that. Yeah, like it wasn't like I had a cut on on my thigh. Like it right. was like I like I was bleeding. You know, yeah. like it was you almost know. like I was having. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I'm like, okay. 
um, like help, like what, like help me, like why am I, it was scary. I'm like, like seriously, somebody help me. I'm like, my royal blue pants are soaked in blood. But, oh, we can't find the source of it. So I'm like, you know what, okay, it, it is what it is. I'll just rest until I move to college. So a few weeks later, moved to college. Um, we're playing IU in our first fall game towards, like, the middle to end of September when fall games start. I'm the leadoff batter. I'm the starting shortstop. Like, my dreams are coming true. I'm starting as a freshman. I'm playing great. Like, this is it. Like, I'm ready to win championships, break records. Like, that was my goal. Like, I'm like, this is it. Mm-hmm. And uh, our first game versus IU, like, I was playing the best defense I'd ever played. I mean, like, I was all over the place. It was great. Then towards, like, I think the sixth inning, ball in the 5-6 hole, I go to turn, I pick, I backhand it, boom, the pain came back, came all the way back. Like, the same pains I had months ago, shot right up there again. I'm like, there's no way this is happening. Like, I can't afford to do this. My coach is going to hate me. My teammates are going to hate me. Like, and I can't explain it. This isn't a pain I can explain. So, I'm like, people are going to think I'm making stuff up. Lo and behold, I go to my trainer, and I'm like, Devin, I'm telling you right now, I'm going to start bleeding by the end of the day. And she's like, oh, there's no way. Like, your doctor said you're fine. Lo and behold, and go to the bathroom between games, bleeding, like gushing blood. Oh, my gosh. And so I'm like, like that, that's just a lot. Like, now, I'm, you know, back to the homesickness thing. I'm away from home. I'm away from family. I'm away from doctors. Like, and this issue just keeps happening, and no one's giving me answers. So they send me to a doctor at Miami, and they're like, okay, we think you have a stress reaction in your pelvic bone. And it sounds like, like they're just making things up. At making like making things up. The only way you break your pelvic or pubic bone, whatever you want to call it, is if you were in a car crash, you fall out of a building, or you're like 90 years old and your body's like wearing into yeah, like, like osteoporosis weak. or something. Yeah, right. Like I'm a strong 18 year old girl. I I didn't break. My, I didn't get in a car accident. I didn't fall from a balcony. Like I'm good. And, th- and the only reason why they thought that was because the MRI had shown just like a bunch of bright like striations all over my pubic bone so they're like oh it has to be that so they're like oh we're gonna we're just gonna have you sit out the rest of the semester so I sit out the whole fall which as a freshman that's devastating because that's the time where you kind of prove yourself try to earn your spot try to beat the older girls out you get you bond you get relationships with your teammates like I was sitting on a bucket like sitting on a bucket miserable so the fall happens Winter happens. We go home for Christmas. We come back in January to start workouts. And I'm like, okay, like I'm ready to go. I've been sitting for three to four months. I have to be healed by then. My coach makes me run the fitness test. Not sure why she would do that other than like she was pretty, she was pretty brutal of a human. But after three months of sitting out, she's like, all right, jump into the fitness test. I'm like, okay, I can't say no. I'm going to do this fitness test. I do the fitness test. I finish it. I'm bawling because I just finished it, so I'm happy. But the pain was right back where it came from. So I'm like, why did I just sit out three and a half months for nothing? Like, there's zero zero relief. The pain's not better. I just was forced to do a fitness test after not running and working out for three months. Like, what is this? What's going on? So doctor again. you started, the pain started, like, as a, a young high school kid, like it's not like it's like just gonna heal all of a sudden. Just gonna 
poof, go like sit on a bucket right. for three months gone. Right. So this new doctor, we get a new doctor because the first doctor just was like trying to blame it on like women's health, but like it didn't really have much to do with that. Like we were trying to explain like, no, it's not like my uterus. Like it's my pelvis. Like we didn't, we just, there was no answer. So this new doctor was like, let's get you an injection. Um, this injection's, you know, in the cartilage of your pubic bone. So it's a really thick piece of cartilage. Pretty much the only purpose of it for women is when you give childbirth, it kind of starts to loosen up and it helps your pubic bone open up to open your hip up to birth a child. So they're like, we're going to inject you right into this cartilage because this is where it's lighting up in the MRI. So in order to do that, I have to go under because it's a, it's, you know, it's kind of basically pushing through bone because it's that hard of cartilage. They put me under, they give me this injection and things felt fine for a few days. I was like, oh, this is great. I can play on this. Like, awesome. Start to play. Um, we play Michigan. Really close game at home. The slapper comes up. She chops it into the ground. I'm playing short. And I kind of pivot on my left foot to go backwards with my right foot. And I jump in the air on my back right foot where my, most of my pain was coming from to try to catch the ball. And when I jumped, boom, the pain came back. And I literally fell. like couldn't even run after the ball. Fell to the ground. The trainer had to get out. They had to put me on crutches. Like, I couldn't walk. And again, yeah. I'm bleeding down my legs. I can't walk. Like, th- this isn't, oh, my gosh, like, oh, it hurts. Like, give me crutches. It's like, I can't put weight on my legs. Like, some, <laughs> this injection didn't help. So, like, somebody help me. Like, I'm, I'm yeah. like, begging for help at this point. Again, no answers. So, they're like, oh, let's just inject you again. So, they inject me again, which that, looking back on it, upsets me because I don't even know what was in those injections. You know, it was almost right. like a, it was almost like a band-aid at that point. So like, oh, it'll feel better for a few weeks. But then again, I'm wearing and tearing. Like I'm still playing on it. So yeah, I don't feel the pinks. It's numb, but it's still injured, you know? Yeah. So I, looking back, I'm like, I should have said no to all those injections. Like what if that was a, like hurting it more? You know, like right. I, I didn't know what to do. I just was doing what the people told me to do. I wasn't, yep. I was already quite the d- dramatic injury, you know, like, like as if I wanted yeah. it. Yeah. So go home after freshman year, that summer I kind of rest, I get back to school, pain's still there. Finally, the doctor's like, I'm going to send you to a hip specialist. He works with, I think women skiing or like figure skating, like he's just kind of up there in the sport world, I'm going to send you to him and we're going to see if he can give you a referral to someone else. Like, we got to go to the big dog to get to the big dog. I'm like, cool. Go to this guy and he's like, okay, it's nothing in your hips, but I think it has to do with your pelvis. I'm going to give you a contact to a guy in Philadelphia, Dr. Myers. He does core repair, reconstructive surgery. He works with all the big athletes. You should go to him. So we go back to Miami. We tell the doctors, we think this is who can fix it. And they're like, you know what? We're kind of desperate at this point. Like, we can't neglect this girl much longer. We're flying her to Philly. So they fly me to Philly. They fly my mom to Philly. Um, and I meet this doctor. And he does his MRIs. He does all his tests. And just looking at that first image, he's like, oh, yeah. Like, your adductors and your ab muscles are all about to fall off the pelvic bone. Like, the muscles are so stretched and the tendons are so weak. They're all pulling in different directions. You have no stability in your pelvis. Like, 
your abs are being pulled your abs are being pulled up away from the bone and then your two adductors on your left and right side are being pulled away from the bone so your bone is weak and the muscles around it are weak like you're you're tearing like your whole area is tearing this is my sophomore year September of my sophomore year so I'm like wait what and He's like, this is one of the worst cases I've seen. How have you been playing on this? I'm like, I don't know. Thank you. Thank you for recognizing it. I have no idea. My teammates and coaches think I'm making stuff up. They think I'm being a sissy. Like, I I don't know. So he gives me a hip injection. He's like, okay, we're going to just rule out the hip. If this hip injection relieves the pain, then we know there's hip problems too. He gives me a hip injection. It relieves some pain. He realizes I also am having tearing in my hip, like my hip flexors. So going to surgery, it's a basically a core reconstructive surgery. Like they cut up my abs, they cut up my adductors and my hip flexors, and they just reattach it to the bone. Um, pretty intense. Like it, it was a it was like a quick surgery and a really quick uh, like healing process. I guess it took like six to eight weeks before I was full on running, but it was easily the worst pain I've ever felt in my whole life. I mean, I. I couldn't sip out of a straw. I couldn't cough. I couldn't laugh. I had to learn how to walk again. Like it was my whole core was just literally yeah. sliced and diced up and down. You don't down. realize so, how much you use your core until something like that no, happens. Until, yeah, until, and, like, even just no. getting out of bed to go to the bathroom, like, my sister mom literally had to carry me. Like, my sister had a wipe for me. Like, I couldn't reach down. Like, I was, mm. it was horrible, but I was happy because I'm like, wait, this is it. Like, this this is going to heal me. Like I'm good to go. Like, great. I start the recovery. I'm learning how to walk again and run again. And I'm feeling great and the best I felt. So I work my tail off the rest of the fall, the rest, the rest of winter break Come spring. I'm ready to go. I'm playing a new position, which was, I was starting to play third, which was way better on my body. It wasn't as much moving laterally. So I'm like, that, mm-hmm. that'll save my legs. We go to Vegas for, I think our second weekend of games. A slapper comes up, she chops the ball, I run up to pick it, I'm throwing on one leg, my right leg, boom, all the pain comes back. And I'm like, there is no way this is my life right now because I just went through hell and back, and the pain is back. I can't imagine. All all the pain, like, I went in the dugout, into the bathroom dugout, and just bawled my eyes out. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. Like, what are... This is your sophomore season? My sophomore season, Yep. So I'm like, this is just, like, I really, truly had no words. Um, n- there was nothing anybody could say to me that would make me feel better. Like, oh, you know, you'll get through it. No, no, no. Like, you have no idea what I've been through. You have no idea that pain for nothing. Yeah. Yeah. So I, it was manageable. Like, I think I, we found a way to make, make me be able to play games. You know, I would rest during practice or rest during weights or honestly, I just had to kind of suck it up. Some days were worse than others where I couldn't play, and some days I felt great. So I did that, and finally my junior year that fall, I, I needed answers. The pain was just excruciating. The bleeding was out of control. Um, I found a physical therapist in Arizona who specializes in core uh, pelvic floor stuff. I went to her, um, and that PT, it's really invasive and kind of awkward, but it's internal, so... I would lay on a table and she in, like internally went into where my pelvic floor is and would push around with her fingers. And the second she did that, my whole body was off the table and I just lit up. And that pain I was feeling that no one else could imitate 
I myself couldn't even imitate, she was able to imitate within 15 seconds. And so even though that pain was horrible and it was just the most uncomfy time of my life, I was so happy because I was like, wait, that is the exact pain I'm feeling. And this woman was able to create it. Find it. She found it. Like she found the key and she basically was just like this, you know, yeah, your muscles and your core were were torn up and that wasn't helping it. But she's like the underlying issue is your pelvic floor is so tight and it's not relaxing. Like any muscle, you know, when you relax Mm -hmm. and contract, your pelvic floor is the muscle and it keeps all your internal organs inside of you. You know, it's what holds a baby. Like everyone has one, but people don't think about it. So she's like, yours is always contracted. It's not relaxing. So like when you get a stiff neck, when you sleep on your neck wrong and you know, your neck hurts and you can't move your shoulder from your ear because your neck is tight. She's like, that's like your pelvic floor right now. It's completely, it's in like a ball. Like it's not relaxing. So of course you're going to be lit up and in pain all the time. So I'm like, oh my God, like this, I'm like, you are my saving grace. So she's saying that the the surgery, the core surgery wasn't for nothing, but it wasn't the core problem. Yes. Like I definitely would have needed a surgery like that but it wasn't the main problem. It helped. It relieved some of the pain because whenever I was in pain in that area or I would like strain a quad or, you know, little stupid injuries that would come up naturally, my pelvic floor would overcompensate for it and get tighter and tighter. So, and so what do, do you think this had to do with stress? Totally. Like one of the things she had said was she had asked how my previous years in college were and she's like, you know, how's your stress level? Like, and I, you know, told her how miserable I was, homesickness, crazy coach, like injury. And, you know, I break it down to her and she just had said that that is a place most people, especially females carry emotional trauma. So she was like, your body, just from the way you've been treated and the things that have happened, holds a lot of sadness and emotions in that area and if you aren't able to, like, release those emotions, it's going to keep being tight. And at first, I'm like, there's no way that makes any sense. Like, how? Like, I feel fine. Like, I'm happier than I used to be. Like, how does that much pain be caused by emotional trauma? But then, you know, later down the road, and we'll probably get to this, I get a new coach my last year, and I'm the happiest I'd ever been, and I also was the healthiest I'd ever been. I never had flare-ups. Um, yeah. I maybe yeah. had one flare up and that was, I think just an like a wear and tear. Like I just pushed myself too much. But when that coach was gone, that was causing that emotional trauma for me. It was like a release, like truly, like I didn't have as much pain and I still get it here and there only just because it's always, I think going to be there. But yeah, a lot of it's just that emotional trauma. So once I was able to kind of understand that and work through my emotions and, go to PT all the time, I finally was able to kind of get it under control and play pain-free 95% of the time. So it's like the craziest, most random thing. No, So many people didn't believe me. Um, right. You know, it, it just was like really tough mentally and physically. And I think mentally was even harder for me. Like pain, I can deal with pain. Like I knew what I was feeling at that point. I knew how to cope with it. But the emotions of that continuous horrible pain was just overwhelming for me and it really just pulled me down all the time and it wasn't until like I said my senior year where I was able to kind of wrap it all up and 
find what made it better. And honestly, that was just working on my mental game and reeling in my emotions. So it was, I mean, quite the journey, but yeah, it got better eventually. Yeah. Just to put things in perspective for listeners, um, the pain that you were going through was being compared to childbirth or miscarrying, like the, like yes. the bleeding, like yes. that's, that's the pain that you're going through like very often. Yeah. Like one of the times I was bleeding a lot, I had kind of like a mass pass through, like come out of me. And again, at the time, I don't even think I was 19 yet. Like it was really the first like two months of my freshman year, the doctors pulled me in and sent my mom out of the room which I thought was weird. I'm like, why are you sending my mom out of the room? I want my mom here. And they had kind of asked me like, okay, like, could you be pregnant? And I was like, you know, there's no, like what? Like my mind's in a million. I'm like, excuse me, what? Like I said, I don't think so. I shouldn't be like, there's no way. There's no way. And they're like, well, you know, we love you, Mackenzie. We trust you, but like, we can't trust that. We're going to have to get your blood drawn and see if you were pregnant. We think you might've miscarried. And, like, that is heavy. Yeah. That is heavy to tell such a young girl. And I'm like, there, yeah. there's no way. Like, I, there's no way. But they're telling me there's a way. And my doctor said, oh, I sent a picture of the mask to my OB. And she thinks that's a miscarriage. And that's just a heavy, heavy yeah. topic and scary. And turns out it was not. You know, they did my blood. I was not pregnant. But that's it was even not weirder. A miscarriage. But that's even weirder. I'm like, why? did this mask, you know, come out of me. But right. a week prior to that, they had sent me to an OB in town to figure out the bleeding. And that was a really uncomfy experience for me. It was this older man, and it just was uncomfortable for me. Yeah. To the point where afterwards I'd kind of cried, and my athletic trainer had to kind of report him just because he was really rough and wasn't, like, it was just, an like, if I'm going to go to the OB for probably the first time in my life, I think it was, a gynecologist, like, I don't want this old man to just be, like, really rough and aggressive. Yeah, like, it was just an uncomfortable, it was really uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah. And they think that it kind of just stirred up all the tissue and created, like, that mass. Which then, I, looking back, I'm like, is that why my pelvis helped? Was that some of the emotional trauma I might have felt? I don't know. Like, I don't Maybe. know. Like, was that, like, triggering for me? I'm not sure, but just, like, just crazy. And then I see a doctor, and one of the doctors is like, oh, yeah, this pain you're feeling is very similar to what a contraction of during childbirth would feel like because your pubic bone is being pulled and contracting as if you're having a child. So I'm like, dude, what? Like, yeah, what? But you are I so mean... strong to be able to play through that. Like, that is, that is an intense pain. I yes. can't even imagine. Um, so did you ever end up having any um, cancers or, like, how are you feeling today? Like, what's the update? Um, so we do know now that it's just, like, my pelvic floor. It's something that I think I'll always deal with. Um, I now know what exercises and movements kind of trigger it. So I stay away from, like, single leg motions or lateral motions, Um I used to run all the time, and I can't run as much as I used to, but I have recently gotten back into the flow of things. I just have to watch my stride. Like, I can't stride too far. Um, it's all just manageable. Like, I know it's been five, six years now, so I know what triggers it, and we know what it is. So 
when I do get pains, I do go back to my PT. When the time comes where I am ready to have a family of my own, I will go back to that PT and make sure it's my pelvic floor is strong enough to carry a baby. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just definitely something I'll always have to deal with, like when it comes to childbirth, like things like that. But I'm so used to it. I, I'm just happy we kind of have an answer and that I know how to cope with it. Um, but I don't think I would be able to keep playing competitively if I even wanted to type deal, just because it was just too much wear and tear on my body and more right. mentally it was just really kind of hard to deal with. So I'm happy yeah. where I'm at now. I know how to deal with it. And I have the PT lady who's just everything to me. So yeah, um, I'm in a good spot. Good. And when you are ready to start your family, you know that you need to have these kind of precautions and yes. be ready for it. So um, it's kind of a good thing you've been an athlete for so long just to, like, know that, like, you're prepared for whatever you need to do to have kids. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we talked about this a little bit. Um, let's go into a little bit more. So how did you handle coaches not believing in you? And how much of a difference was it to you when you finally had a coach that believed in you? Uh, so my first coach I had in my first three years, she was someone who I was really excited to play for. Um, leading up to going to college every Wednesday, we would talk on the phone for like an hour and I felt like we had become good friends and she was someone I had looked up to and someone I knew once I make this move from Arizona to Ohio, she's going to take care of me and she's going to be like a mother figure. And that's what she had kind of promised. So I was ready to go. Like I had full trust in her, full faith in her. I was excited. Like I just knew if my head coach, you know, makes me feel safe and makes me feel like this move is the right move, then I'm in good hands. Um, Couldn't have been more wrong, truthfully, because when I had gotten there and I was dealing with homesickness and I was dealing with this injury and all the emotions of that, she was no help to me. She pretty much thought I was making it up. Um, thought I was weak, told me that mental health like wasn't real and that the mental health I was feeling and the anxiety and the sadness I was feeling wasn't real and that it was all in my head and I was making it up and I'm not the kid she recruited and all these just crazy things to tell such a young girl from so far away. <laughs> like, yeah, it's it's beyond me that someone would I talk to I can't even it, imagine. Uh, like, a young, I, like, it was just, it was disgusting. Yeah. And, um that's what made it the injury and everything else even harder. It made the homesickness harder. It made the injury hard. It made the transition even harder because this woman that's supposed to take care of me, that just convinced me for years to come here to play for her. It was all like a lie. So yeah. that was just horrible. We did not have a very good relationship. I tried to, you know, communicate her the be- with her the best I could. She would always say, you know, if there's an issue or you guys want to talk, just come in the office and let's chat. So I'm like, cool, like, let's chat. So I'd go in her office and I would talk about my injury and I would, you know, um, bring things up that happened in practice or that were said in practice. And I would just communicate. I I never was trying to be disrespectful. She just made it clear, if you want to chat, come into my office. I didn't know that no one's done that before. No one's told me that no one goes in her office. The day I went into her office, two of the juniors, two of the captains on the team, had me go to their house for dinner just because they wanted to hear what happened because no one had ever done that. They were like, no one ever spoke to her like that or, like, called her out. And I'm like, wait, what do you – like, why didn't anyone give me the heads up? 
So yeah. from like the first Sex. month of softball, there was a target on my back. She hated that I like stuck up for myself. Like she hated that I didn't let her bully me. She hated that. So I suddenly was at the very bottom of her list. And yeah. like I never was disrespectful. I was just trying to have a good adult relationship. Like you know what? Like yeah, get on the same page. Let's get on the same page because I knew I was going to be a key to the team. I knew I was going to start. Naturally, I'm kind of just a leader and I wanted to be in a good spot with the head coach so I could be that for the program in the years to come. You know what I mean? Like I'm here to win championships. Like I'm not BSing. I just want to get on a the same you know, headspace as my head coach. And that was like a big no-no, I guess. Like, you know, don't stick up for yourself, whatever. So she just wasn't a fan of me. She hated that with my injury, I would play in games but not practice, which, again, I understand it's confusing when you see a girl play. Yeah, let's go back to, like, what that pain was like. (laughs) Thank you. And, again, like, I couldn't explain that to her. She she thought I was making it up. And she honestly didn't believe me until after my surgery – she came into the PT room when I had the day after I got, flew in from Philly. I'm like still high on the perks. Like I'm like, you know, like that fresh, like I'm, it's fresh. Yeah. yeah. And I'm in the PT room and they're helping me walk. And she came in and when she saw me like that, that's when she told my trainer, I feel so bad. I thought she was faking it this whole time, but never told me that only told my, tra- like, I always think if she would have came up to me, and when I said, Mac, I am so sorry. I thought you were faking it. I feel so horrible. I, I can't, like, if she would have apologized and admitted, who knows? Like, maybe that would have helped that pain, you know? Like, maybe that right. would have mended our relationship. But there was never, there was never, like, an apology. It was kind of just like, okay, move on. Like, I needed to hear that. And at the time, maybe I didn't realize that, but looking back, I needed to hear that. Like, for months, I was treated so poorly because she thought I was so weak, weak-minded yeah. and weak physically, and it was the opposite. I was way stronger right. than she thought physically and mentally. Like, so having a coach that didn't believe in me, like, I didn't play very well. Like, my freshman year, I did, I mean, I, I batted horribly. Defense was kind of always my strong suit, and I did fine defensively, but I just wasn't myself out there. Um, even my sophomore year, we had won our conference, and, you know, we had broken a record at my school, and it was great. Like, we were successful, but I still was not myself. Every time I went up to bat, I was always just scared. Like, I just played scared, and I hate that because that's, yeah, that's, just I, that's too bad. the worst. That's the worst. I didn't – and I didn't want it. I'm like, screw this lady. Like, I don't, I don't want – to play scared in front of her, but I couldn't help it. Like, I felt like I was under a microscope. I went from my club years always being, like, you know, a one-two batter to, like, the nine-hole all the time, you know. And I was yeah. – I just I, – I felt no purpose in that lineup. Like, I just was in the lineup because I could play defense. Um, But I hated playing in fear. I think that's the worst state you can play in as an athlete is just playing in fear, and I played in fear all the time. And – yeah it's just kind of what I had to deal with. I tried to, you know, have confidence in myself and my assistants weren't very much help either. I feel like my head coach was so toxic that the assistants, even the brand new ones that would come in would eventually turn toxic. And just the whole culture was toxic. So how are you supposed to 
feel your best and play your best when everyone around you is just miserable. All my teammates who are miserable. It was just toxic. It was no fun. So it was just a hard hard to play in that state. Were your, uh, and your mom was still able to visit you? Yeah, my mom was still able to visit me a decent amount. Um, my sophomore year, right after my surgery, it was like that spring, she did get diagnosed with thyroid cancer. So that was a huge, like, punch in the face. Oh, just, no. just like the worst year. My <laughs> sophomore year was the worst yeah, year of, of my life. So around that time, she was having, like, surgeries and things like that. So I didn't see her as much, but I was playing for something bigger at that point, And that's the year we actually won. And so oh. my sophomore year, so when like things were bad between me and the coaches and we're bad with my injury and we're bad with my mom, I was able to kind of dial in and it was kind of like demon thoughts. Like I was just sure. like in a whole other place mentally where I was just like, I can, like, I just, it was kind of just me like tunnel vision, I guess. I don't remember much of that year, honestly. I feel like I blacked a lot of it out, but we it's won. It's a tough year. So. Yeah. so what was the difference when Coach 2K came in? Oh, my God. When my when Coach 2K, Kareem Kumar, the love of my life, um, when she came in, it was seriously like a breath of fresh air. Like I – the first phone call I had with her, I'm like, okay, this lady's down. Like, you know, like – here we go. This is my last year. I'm going to go out with a bang. I'm going to improve. I need to double my batting average. Like I got somebody. I can't leave college feeling so bitter about my experience, you know. So yeah. 2K came, and she was just a breath of fresh air. Like, she's so smart and wise when it comes to softball. Like, she was teaching us new things every day. Like, you would have thought we didn't know softball when she came in because she would explain things to us, and – our mouths would be wide open, like jaw dropped. And she's like, wait, this is basic softball. And we're like, oh, we didn't know this. Like suddenly we had a coach that knew so much. And all of a sudden, like I'm hitting like I've never hit before. I'm not, I was probably the smallest girl in our lineup. And for majority of the year, I was the three or four hole. I mean, that's saying something. Like I I am not this big, strong, powerful girl, but I was second in team in doubles. Like I suddenly was playing the best softball I'd ever played, my injury was very minimal. Like I still had to do rehab for it, but I was able to sprint again during conditioning. I was able That's to miraculous. squat. Yes. Yeah. Like, and awesome. I'm like, wait, what's the key? And I'm like, oh, it's because I'm not being torn down mentally every second of the day and being screamed at in offices, you know? Uh, so yeah. it was just like, I prayed for that like uh, for years at Miami when things were bad I just prayed that things would get better and 2k was that answer to prayer she gave me a confidence I hadn't I had lost she gave me my spark back I was always the spark on the field the really loud funny silly girl like talking shit on the field like that was me and she she gave that back to me and I'm forever thankful for that and I was able to end my senior year playing the best I'd ever played, beating power five teams, making it to regionals, like truly made me realize that when you have someone at the top of your program who's legit and a good, honest, wholehearted person, anything is possible, truly. But when you're yeah. in that toxic culture, I mean, it just, it it tears down the best of the best. And I saw both sides of it, so. That's really the truth. And mm -hmm. Yeah. I've had 
Coach 2K as a coach, too. And, yeah, I know she's really good. Um, And you've also mentioned, like, you kind of mentioned this a little bit, um, placing your worth on on your sport. Yeah. So you've struggled with that, and you've also, like, had highs and lows with that. Um, But how did you overcome that, especially with having, like, a really terrible coach? (laughs) Um, It's just so easy. I think most athletes could agree with this. It's just so easy to put your worth and who you are as a person in your sport, Mm -hmm. in your statistics, uh, whether you win or lose, it's so easy to feel like a loser when you're losing and feel like a winner when you're winning in all aspects of life. Like you carry yourself differently when you're a champion in all aspects, walking in the store, like head held high. Like it's so easy to put all those emotions into like who you are as a person. And now that I'm out of the sport, I look back and I'm like, what was I doing? Like, it was a sport. And it rightfully yeah. so felt like my world because it was. But then you're yeah. out of it and you're like, that was such a tiny piece of my life. And I put who I thought I was meant to be in a game, like in, yeah. a, in a softball game. And so when things were really rough the first three years, I struggled with that immensely because I wasn't playing well. I wasn't feeling well. The coaches convinced me that I was just like some bad apple and some bad person. So I felt like that all the time. And then when 2K came, before 2K even came, I just knew that last year I was like, I got to do something different to pull me out of this rut. Because again, if I end my college career a loser or I end it not playing well, I'm going to regret those four years because I know how good I could have been. Like I never really reached my potential and I don't want to live with that guilt. I do not want to live with those feelings of regret. So even before 2K came in, I just knew that I had to put my worth and my personal beliefs like into Jesus Christ. And that was something I always tried to do my first three years. Like every at bat, I would draw across the dirt and point up to the sky. And then after my surgery, I got a tattoo of a cross on my right-hand um, pointer finger, the finger I would use to point to the sky. And I always did that. And that was me kind of showing, like, I'm playing for an audience of one. I'm playing for God. Like, my worth is in him, but it actually wasn't. Like, I said it was, but I didn't actively do that until going into my senior year, I knew something had to change. And I just really changed my mindset because knowing this was my last year and if it didn't go the way I wanted it to, I needed a way to cope with that. So that was me saying, no matter what happens, like I'm worthy. Like I am a strong individual. I'm happy. I'm a leader. Like I am way more than a softball player. Like I'm smart and I'm funny and I'm a great girlfriend. I'm a great friend. I'm a great sister. And I, I had to convince myself of that. And so in order to do that, I put my full worth in Jesus. I changed the way I prayed. I used to pray super selfishly by being like, you know, oh, I hope today I go three for three or God, like, please let me hit a double, like things like that. And that wasn't working. And so when I changed my mindset to, okay, I I had a scrimmage. I went over three in the fall. Okay. What am I learning here? God, tell me, how am I going to get better from this? How, what are you teaching me right now with all this failure? What are you showing me? And when I changed my mindset to that, and I was able to know after a bad scrimmage, a bad game, a bad practice, no, this is going to be a learning lesson. Like the yeah. prior three years of my life was a huge learning lesson. Like I, yes. 
you know, I had learned, okay, like I can overcome a lot. What is this teaching me? So when I was able to put my worth into Jesus and know whether I go 0 for 3 or 3 for 3 or whether I lose every game or win every game, I am Mackenzie and I'm a yes. good person and I'm a child of God and I'm going to be okay. I, I just had a peace. I played freely. I played with a peace. Yes. It didn't matter if I played well or didn't play well. I just was at peace. Like that whole senior year, I was happy. Like every aspect of my life, even if things weren't good, I still felt good. It and sounds like the like, best year. The best, seriously, the best. best like year. I'm going to be living through that year the rest of my life. Like my glory days. But that I was just, just like, I like that you turned it into asking questions of like how you can learn from things. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you kind of have to, because I, I didn't want to play this victim. I was sick of being like, right. Why am I always hurt? Like, why this? And sometimes there's not a why. Like, sometimes there's not a why, and that's where I believe kind of faith comes in. And I will never forget, after my freshman year, the worst year, I was walking up these stairs. And it's, like, literally, it's an outdoor staircase, and it's probably, like, 90 stairs. Like, it's just, it was brutal. So after my exit meeting, which was, again, brutal, I just got, like, attacked by my coach. I'm going up these stairs. I'm sobbing because I'm like, what just happened? Like that exit meeting was traumatic. And I remember in my head just having a moment of being like, this sucks real bad. And this is probably going to be the worst of all sucks I have in my life. But I just knew one day I'm going to be able to use this for good. And then here I am recording a podcast. And I had done another podcast a couple months ago. And I'm doing a mentor program with my college where I have a freshman that I get to mentor and talk to. And suddenly all these really bad experiences I had, I'm able to kind of ask why did this happen and use it for good and share with people what I went through and say how I got out of those ruts. And I just, I'll never forget that moment up those stairs where I was like, okay, this sucks really bad, but it'll be used for good one day. Yes. So, it's all seriously just kind of a mindset thing and the mind's crazy. But once you kind of reel that in, I felt just peace and it didn't happen until my senior year, but I would take all the misery the first few years all over again, just to have that final last year of peace and success and happiness. I would do it all over again. That makes me so happy to hear that. Yeah. And with that, what, what was, what was one of your favorite moments? Well, like if you can narrow it down, what was one of your favorite moments while competing? Um, so my senior year was our last game, our last home game, and uh, we needed to win this game to clinch the regular series, and I mean, we were up by a lot, so we were about to win, like, our back-to-back MAC championship, you know, season, and uh, we were playing our rival, Ohio University, called the Battle of the Bricks, and Coach 2K and I just had a really kind of fun relationship, like, we could really just, like, mess with each other, and I, my first, like, two at-bats, I had just two really hard outs. Like, those are the worst is when you hit, like, a shot right to, like, the left field or right. Like, you know, just the worst where it's like, dude, that was perfect contact. And I had no hits that game. And I'm like, this is, you know, my last hurrah on this field. Like, I got to do something. And uh, Coach 2K just kept telling me, keep doing what you're doing. Keep doing. That's what, well, that was her thing. You're doing it perfectly. Just keep doing it. I'm like, okay, it's not perfect. I got an out, you know. So she kept telling me that, and, again, I lined out, I think, the center fielder, and I 
got pissed and I get in the dugout and I'm joking. I'm like pouting. I'm like, 2K, you keep telling me to keep doing what I'm doing. I'm doing, I'm doing, it's not working. And she's laughing because she's like, oh my God, you're being a baby stop. I'm like, <laughs> my last at bat, I wasn't even supposed to have this at bat because the at bat before that I got hit in the hand. So like my hand was all taped up and I like couldn't really move my wrist. So my trainer was like, oh, you shouldn't really go up to that. I'm like, no, like I'm hitting. I go up there, 2K just looks at me. She's like, keep doing what you're doing, which I hated when she said that. It's just one of those things. I'm like, I can oh just my hear God. her say that. Yes, I'm like, stop yeah. telling me. It's not working. And lo and behold, my last set down on the home field, I hit a three-run homer on top of the yes. batting cage. And it was just one of those mo- Like, I have a picture of me rounding third, giving her a high five. And just her body language is kind of like, and I told you so. And I just have the biggest. <laughs> like, I'm laughing. Like, it was just one of those moments where I was just like, this is a full circle moment. I can't even explain it. Like my last at bat, I'm smiling, running into home plate, which years before that I was on the field, like never smiling. It was just a full circle moment. Yeah. And just, just a funny, like we talked about it all the time. She's like, you were pouting in the dugout. Like, you're being such a baby. I'm like, I'm pissed. <laughs> I don't want to leave my last home. And your hand like, probably hurt. My hand is wrapped up. Like, come on. No, but it was. It was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, love to hear it. I love moments like that. That's super great. Um, okay. We need to move on to the transition out of sports. So, um, yeah, you you finished up last year, right? Yeah. So what, what has the transition out of playing competitive sports been like for you? And what did you do in your newfound free time, if you had any? Um, at first, when I got out of it, it was pretty easy. I was kind of done. Um, like I ended up, I ended on a high. I was happy how I ended. I thought about taking my fifth year um, a lot more than I thought I would. Uh, but then I decided kind of not to. I wanted to move to Georgia with Noah where he was playing basketball. So at first it was easy. Like I was happy. I was like, I'm done. I have all this free time. I can be with Noah. Like my body can heal. Um, yeah. But then come November, about a year ago, so like six months after I graduated, uh, Noah started playing basketball and he started to have his games and it had just really hit me that I was never going to compete like that again. And I kind of went through a moment where I was just, just sad. Like it had hit me that I wasn't competing and I wasn't surrounded by 20 girls, like-minded girls all going towards one goal. Like I wasn't, I wasn't in that environment. I didn't have a lot of friends. Um, that competitive fire in me was just dead and I hated that because that's a huge part of me. So once that hit me, I knew I needed some type of competitive outlet. So I started training for a Spartan race. I remember the day I was having kind of like that little crisis. I signed up for a Spartan race. So it's like a 5k and there's 15 to 20 obstacles and I just needed something to work towards and I needed something to train for. And that was it for me. And so when I was training, I started kickboxing and I started doing Muay Thai, which is just like fighting, I guess, kickboxing. And that was really fun for me because it was hard and I didn't know how to do it and it was out of my comfort zone. So I was able to challenge and push myself and learn a new skill. When things typically kind of come easier for me, like athletically, like things just are easier to do. It just comes naturally. Kickboxing, that was not the case. Like I couldn't figure out some of the moves and I loved that like I love that I had to learn something new so work on something new. I had to work on yeah and so that was kind of what I realized I needed during the shift and that's what I do tell a lot of my friends who just graduated or are going to graduate 
is you have to be vulnerable and you have to realize like, you know, you were all that at one point and now you're just a regular person and you have to <laughs> do regular people things. And yeah. some people aren't going to care that you were a division one athlete. Seriously. Like at the end of the day, yeah. some people are going to be like, Oh cool. And that was your whole life for so long. You're like, what do you mean? Oh cool. Like that's legit. And people are like, I've, okay, you know, I so. experienced that. Some people really don't care because they don't know, like, they don't, they don't know. They, they just no don't know idea. what it's like. And, but then I have some people who like really flip out over it. They're like, Oh, yeah. that's so cool. <laughs> like, okay. Yeah. I like you. Yes. I'm like, Oh, we could be friends. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I mean, basically I just had to learn to find different out- outlets to compete. Um, to my two friends I did make in Georgia, one was a diver at UGA. And so we really bonded off of that. And then another girl never really played sports. She swam a little bit, but she's probably my first friend, seriously, I've made not through sports or, like, softball. Like, it was, like, weird. Like, I'd never had a friend like that. And it was so fun. Like, when we would hang out, I didn't have to talk softball. You know what I mean? Like, it was just a whole – I came – it was a whole different type of friendship. So I was really grateful for that. That was another thing I had to learn to do was make friends outside of the sport. Yeah. All my friends have been football players. So just a huge growing year. I do wish that more people talked about it. That's why I'm glad things like this um, are happening and there's mentor programs and foundations working towards educating athletes on that transition because I had no idea how hard the transition was until I was in the thick of it and I had no resources. So I'm glad, like, you're doing something like this and people are trying to reach out to others and help them through that time in their life. Cause it's hard. It's really hard. I wish I would have had someone last November to talk to and be like, wait, what do I do now? Like, how do I fuel my competitive spirit? How do I make friends? <laughs> like, yeah, you know, so, There's so it, many aspects. It's so, it's so hard finding a job, like things like that. No one talks about like you, when you are at school, you are an athlete period, student athlete, whatever. No, you're an athlete. Like you're here to win, give the school championships and make the program money. You know what I mean? So Right. But I also don't like, I don't want it to seem like doing sports is bad. Uh, no. It's, it's really like the best thing really ever. Like oh, you're talking easily. about your senior year being like the best thing ever. So it's like, it's like there are so many struggles that come with it, which this is what Rose Metal Foundation is about, is like providing those resources for all those struggles. But at the same time, we want to encourage people to to go do the sport because it really is the best thing ever. Oh, easily. Like I said, I would do it all over again. Even yes, in the worst of exactly. my times, I would do it all over again to have that one year. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Um, and out of all of the aspects of transitioning out of sports, which one do you think would, was the hardest for you and what advice would you give to athletes on what you learned from, learned from that? Um, the hardest part was just not being, quote, an athlete anymore, like the whole competitive drive thing. That's where I struggled the most was <clears throat> I needed to push myself like I did the whole – my whole life, like, you know, since you're a kid, you're doing three-hour, four-hour practices three, four times a week. Like, that is all you did. And so suddenly when I have all this free time, I'm like, what do I do? So finding that competitive outlet, for me, it was, you know, kickboxing and Spartan races. I I think that was key. 
And that's what I kind of tell a lot of people going through it is you need to find a different outlet to fuel that fire and to sweat and maybe make friends that way. Like that's how I made my one friend who wasn't an athlete. She was at my gym. And so that's how I met her. Like things like that, just kind of creating a different community, but just finding an outlet that, that gives you that feeling again, that spark, that little girl on the softball field feeling. That's what I missed so desperately so that's what I would tell people going through it is to find that outlet and stick to it and put your heart and soul into it. And maybe that's your next passion. Like the guy at my gym was trying to get me to do a kickboxing fight. <laughs> He's like, you need to fight now. You need to be a fighter. I'm like, whoa, slow your roll. Wait, slow that's your kind roll. of a compliment. That's awesome. Oh, my God. I was like, wait, are you serious? Yeah. And what he said, he was like, some people have that, like, edge and that sparks them and some people don't. And he's like, you have that. And I'm like. That is the greatest compliment and the yes. most popular compliment I've ever gotten my whole time playing softball. It never was like, really? oh, my God, you're such a good hitter or you're such a good defender. I would have coaches and family members from other teams come up to me after any game growing up, even in college, come up to me and be like, we loved watching you play. You are so fun to watch. That's yeah. the one thing people would always say to me. So when I am in a ring and I'm – um shadow boxing or whatever you sparring him and he said that to me it was like fireworks went off in my head like wait that's who I am as an athlete yeah. and I'm able to do that in a, in a different sport so that was really really cool but yeah and that's not a compliment that like just anyone gets like that is really really awesome to yeah. to hear that um yeah uh, I also finished up being involved with softball um last June and he was like I don't know, May, June. And, yeah, I also had a little bit of a crisis in November. <laughs> and I signed up for a, a 5K in Sedona. Turns out I didn't really quite enjoy running that much. But then, uh, uh, yeah, so I just tried something else. I tried F45. I, I second try. I, I like F45 um, much better than running. <laughs> in F45, you don't have to run. <laughs> So, yeah, I would agree with that advice on finding something that, you know, you really like to do and makes you feel athletic again. Yeah. Well, do you have anything else to add? No, I just think what you're doing is great, and things like this hopefully will change, you know, a lot of people's lives or the right person's life. You know, it takes one listener or, you know, one person snooping on the website to kind of make an impact. So I really appreciate you inviting me to this and trying to reach out to former athletes and current athletes and make this transition easier and also promoting how great of an experience college athletics can be, even though most of the time a lot of people, you know, have those tough times, it's always worth it in the end. So I'm very grateful for it. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you enjoyed listening, please be sure to follow us on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook at Rose Metal Foundation. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it and leave a review. It really helps us by spreading the word. Sign up for the newsletter to get weekly updates from us. Another way you can support us is by making a donation at www.rosemetalfoundation.org forward slash donate. We are a 501c3 nonprofit, so your donations are eligible to be tax deductible. So far, we have shared the stories of 41 current and former athletes, and we have a mentorship program called Championship Mentoring.